Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Comedy Central. My guest tonight is a former failed correspondent at The Daily Show. He's done nothing since then. Please welcome Mr. John Oliver. We get it. Enough already. <laughs> Enough. I, I agree with you more than I agree with them. <laughs> well, well, well. Look well. who's come crawling back. Yes. Where yes. it all started. I know. It's pretty weird to be back. I do not like being in that guest room at all. Oh, really? <laughs> that was the one room where I worked here you were not allowed to go in, and I don't like being in it now. It really feels like you I'm ne- doing something wrong by being inside yeah. it. You never, you never snuck in to see a guest? No. No no, yeah. no, 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 no. No, and we were, ne- we were never allowed to really be in there because it had to be kept nice for the guest. Yeah. <laughs> and it never really occurred to me one day I might be that, and I still don't feel it. So I, li- I put my bag in there and then stood in the corridor for the rest of the <laughs> I don't want to be in there at all. Yeah, but this place brings back so many memories. You were here. You were in this building. We've I was very the, much in this yeah, building. Yeah, I was, this was this was the reason I came to America, yep. uh, and the, I was here for eight years. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why I was so happy you came on because we people don't know by looking at us, but we actually have very similar yeah. backgrounds because yes. we both joined the show. I moved to America to do the show, just mm-hmm. like you. And when yes. I first joined the show. You know, the, the Daily Show alumni network is so strong. <laughs> yeah. I asked to meet up with yeah. Mr. Oliver. You came to the yeah, and I, I thought Mr. this. Mr. Oliver. And I, yeah. <laughs> he was Mr. Oliver. I was like, there's no way this guy's gonna let me meet up with him. And you were like, no, come, come before work. There's nothing, there's nothing I like more than talking to people who have questions about how to make field pieces. Yeah. Because it's the, or it's the, it's such a narrow set of skills. Yes. And all you had, all of your questions were great. That was, I remember you leaving and thinking, oh, you're going to be fine, even though you don't have the answers yet. All your questions are right, so you're going to be fine. Uh, you do right. not have a problem. Uh, I, say, okay. I will say, before. Before we make it too sincere, you yeah. do have that unique skill set of not minding being a dick to people. Uh, and that <laughs> really, it, at the end, that is the secret sauce. Well, that, that's, that is the, I mean, you know, you have to really not care to do satire sometimes. And yes. everyone's like, people, I don't think people know how much you don't give a f. Yes. Like, that's you truly right. don't give a f. No, you, you, you will go hard. In the marrow of my bones, sometimes yeah. when our lawyers say they're going to be upset, you yeah. go, I'm not having a physical reaction to that at all. Yes. It is of no concern to me whether the Sackler family are mad with me or not. (laughs) To be honest, I'm a little bit... There's a tingle of happiness. 
yeah, yeah. but that's kind of what you need to yes, do definitely, it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you yeah. like the feeling. That I, I like the feeling of trouble. Right? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. In comedy, it's good because I'm, I'm probably a natural coward in many ways. But when it comes to comedy, I do like the feeling of being in. Real trouble. Yeah, it's weird. You yeah. talked about it. you said pushing the button. You yeah, said exactly, you just yeah. put button. You just got to push yeah, it exactly. because I mean, I, you know. And and what was interesting was when I went out with you. This is how much you don't give a. F you made me come to your office at 8 a.m. First of yes. all, which is yeah, which is extremely early for comedians. Yeah, me wake that up. That is true. <laughs> that is it, that's the amazing thing about doing jobs like this. Now, yeah. when you get into comedy, it's not generally thinking that you will see a human being's breakfast time. No. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. right. You came you came very early. You looked yeah. bright and early. You showered. I, I had showered. no complaints. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I came and I, I talked to uh, and I have very specific questions. And one thing you told me, I've been using this in my podcast rounds. I don't know if you've, if it's come back to you, but like. Um, uh, when you told me it took you two years yeah. to relearn how to do comedy in America. I think that's probably true. You were yeah. spot on to the yeah. day, by the yeah. way. I was, in hindsight, I was like, oh my God. Because I remember there was a day I was in New York City gigging at some comedy club, and it, it was two years in, literally almost to the day. And I remember things just starting to click a little bit yeah. of like relearning how to do comedy. Because again, like you, like me, we were doing comedy outside of America yes. before we even came here. Yeah, and so I think the outsider perspective in comedy always works. The thing with being an immigrant here is you kind of have to learn the exact ways that your outsider perspective can translate. Yeah. So you kind of have to learn basically how that can work. And once it does, you're fine. But until that point, it does feel a little bit like uncharted waters. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like, um, you know, you can come here and you can joke about uh, America on a very surface level. And you can, you can, and that will do well for you for, you know, if you have a 15-minute set, maybe 30-minute set. Yeah. But I feel like after nine months or a year in America, the audience can kind of smell the bullshit of like, mm -hmm. Of like you've been here long enough. Yes. <laughs> right. Like guns that's shouldn't true. be weird yeah, to you. That's right. So so really, what when that, the 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 prof, how profound your two year thing was like it takes two years to learn the nuances of America so you can make fun of them in ways which yes exactly they appreciate exactly like don't tell us we have guns we know yeah. we have guns yes. tell us something else <laughs> we, yeah. we def if we know nothing else about ourselves is that yeah. we have guns to a genuinely problematic extent right. that is not a fresh insight <laughs> we genuinely know yeah, yes exactly so, so you were like going deeper deeper and deeper into it which you know uh, that, that that was my guiding light as well when I first oh, God, started I'm so here. glad yeah. my incredibly insightful advice of wait 24 months yeah. <laughs> it was like a charm. I still can't believe it. I just deep down didn't want to hear from you again for two years. Like, that's all it was. Come back, come back with the same question in two yeah, years, yeah. and then we'll talk. Yeah, you're smart. And uh, I wonder, like, um, do you feel like uh, satire in 2023? Is that you know, we, you've been at the show, you, you've seen the Daily Show kind of evolve over a lot of times. And when you joined the show, I don't, there wasn't anyone else doing it. Kind of. There wasn't TikTok. There wasn't Instagram. Oh no, there wasn't those things. Right. There, yeah. So, so it wasn't a bunch of you know, like assholes on, on talking about you know, like trying to do satire but it up all the time, and and so. <laughs> what? Sorry. Now, now I'm just attacking a bunch of people on. Now, I think you're now attacking the entire population of TikTok for yeah. trying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I'm down. I got, I'm hosting for one day. Come at me, TikTok. Yeah. I, I was distracted by. If you have a monogram shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very fancy shirt, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This one is, um, uh, we, I got this shirt um, made in New York City, Chinatown. Wow. And he, 
No, he's a girl. He's a legit tailor. And then he asked me if I wanted my Chinese name uh, embroidered on it. That's I was like, go for it. And then now it just looks nice. like a mustard stain. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look like a, my surname It does look all. a little yeah. bit like yeah. a mustard so, stain. A it's a very stylish mustard stain. Yeah, yeah, did you guys get fancy suits when you... No, we got no suits. We got... I cannot... We, we were not given any... I never owned a Check suit. Check out this boomer. <laughs> Coming on the Daily Show, telling us how good we have it. Now you really camera. do. You didn't have a desk. We had to buy we our We didn't own have suit. cameras. We had to go... I had to go... I had to go to a, a place to buy a suit. And doing field pieces, you wreck them all the time. Mm. For years here, yeah. we did not... There's nothing that made ex-correspondents more angry than hearing that we got free suits when we did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that was the thing that bothered them the most. It was, no, no, you should have to go into the hole every year just to get a, a presentable suit. Now, look at you. You're well, yeah. spiffy. No, they, they... Did the show pay for that? Yeah, the show... Oh, f this <laughs> did, they pay monograms? They... You get monogram shirts now? Uh, yeah, well, you know. Comedy we... Central has changed. I know things are a little choppy here, but yeah. monogram shirts? No, I told them if they didn't monogram it, they were racist. And then they just did, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a move that I can't make. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, uh, that's the thing. Like, we're both Im immigrants in America. Yeah. And um, do you ever... I guess my question to you is, like, wh wh how do you answer the people who are, like, if you don't like it here, leave? <laughs> yeah. I get that a lot. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I guess they took... It's a, I mean, it's a horrible point, but it's a fair question. <laughs> I guess now my answer would be, I'm a citizen, you can't do that. But I think... I, the tricky thing is, I felt ownership. Uh, uh, it's very dangerous. A British person saying, yeah. "I felt ownership of yeah. this country." <laughs> historically, <laughs> historically, does not go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I just went to India and I felt like I belonged. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I felt at home here long before my legal status was solid. Mm. That's the tricky thing as an immigrant. The more I felt at home. Here, the more cognizant you are of the fact that it's not up to you whether or not you get to stay or not. Right. So it was a massive relief to get my green card yes, yes. and an even bigger relief to get my citizenship. So, yeah, despite the fact immigrants tend to talk shit, yeah. it's generally the kind of way that you talk shit with someone you genuinely love. Sure. Also, as a, as a, as a comedian, I only really talk shit as a way of expressing love. Professionally. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't really know how to express myself right. sincerely. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I like you. I'm never going to say that. Fuck you, yeah. Ronnie. Yeah. There you see. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you yeah. and your show. That's how we love. That's it. But I was, I was back on that other point. Like, do you feel there's a place for satire? Like, basically, the, 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 the news is so crazy right now. Reality is sometimes matching up to the news sometimes. In that environment, do you feel that satire is still possible? Like, you know, when you're doing a joke ironically, do you feel like people can get it, that you're trying to ironically be the bad guy in some, you know? It, oh, I see. You mean like if you're doing Philpy? Because we used to yeah. play the bad guy in Philpies, yes. right? You would say things you did not mean just to embody an argument that you do not agree with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, in field pieces, that's the way that we would operate all the time. Uh, in general, um, I mean, our, our show's a little different. Like, mm -hmm. it, we're not in the... Yeah, I'm not asking about your show. I'm asking about, well, for me, <laughs> for this show, we get it. You know, f***ing, you figured it out. I'm talking, about this. I'm talking about for me. Like, I, think, when I... I, think there's, I think there'll always be a place for satire. I mean, there was a place for it in, in Germany in the 30s. It didn't seem to work out that well over there, but... <laughs> They gave it a go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, no, I, th I think there will always be... And I, unlike you, am happy for people online to try and do it as well. Ronnie no, really would I'm... like nobody to have a voice. Nobody... 
No. All about earn your voice, like me. I did. I had to f***ing get on the show to get a voice. You don't get a voice just because you're in your underwear That's on right. Instagram. Ron I don't... <laughs> Ron Ronnie regrets that gatekeepers have been removed from the yeah. process. Yeah. You really like the gates. I love the gatekeepers. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, it was so tough to come here. I, yeah. You know, it was really tough for me to come here. I, I like you, I also really wanted to come here. I I that, that is the thing. I, d I don't think Americans understand how rough the yes. U.S. immigration process yes. is. When they say, come to people, come yeah. in the right way, I don't think they realize how literally impossible that is <laughs> in, some, uh, in some aspects. Yeah. When, when I got my green card here, uh, they brought it to me in my office upstairs, and uh, they gave me a Budweiser and an apple pie with a little American flag in it. <laughs> and I think they would give it as if, like, here's a joke, right? Yeah. Oh, you got it. You were always going to get it. Here it is. And I nearly cried. And <laughs> to, uh, for a British person, nearly crying is crying. Yeah. <laughs> That's as close as I can come. But I was so relieved because I was worried about it so much. Yeah. And so I think you, t you tend to find, like when we were Same. talking before, exactly, when... When you find out someone just got their green card, you can kind of almost feel the relief yeah. coming off it because yeah. it's such a concern. It's not easy. It's not no, easy. No, it is not easy. Even, don't even talk hard. about the green card. Even the visa before the green card. It's incredibly it's hard. Called, it's called the Extraordinary Ability Visa. Yes. You, yeah. you have to prove, yeah. first of all, that you have extraordinary ability, which I challenge anyone to do. <laughs> Unless it's you're so freaking an NBA player, seven foot. And then second of all, it's like if you don't constantly prove that you're, they can deport you. Yeah. Like if I have a bag segment on The Daily Show, I'm That's right. going, yeah. You did not demonstrate extraordinary yeah. ability. That was at median level yeah. ability. That is the worst thing about coming in on a visa is like occasionally they'll look at the visa and say, what do you do? Yeah. Because they're expecting a surgeon. Yeah. So <laughs> someone with a marketable skill. And the moment you say comedian, like, That's, this is not for you. Yeah. That's not, and, and also, then, if it's all go, tell me something funny, like, or what? Is this a fun bit? Yeah. Or is this the moment I get deported? Yeah, yeah. Do I need a joke on hand? It demonstrates extraordinary ability yeah. in terms of wordcraft. Yeah. Yes, it's incredibly stressful so, in a way people don't understand. Yeah, so in a weird way, I'm with you in that, in that, like, in, um, immigrants to America who come here actually want to be here and have fought to be here, and we're the ones who get shit done here. Yes. Because we had to improve it every I single would, time. That's right. Immigrants. Say, immigrants. immigrants. That's right. We get the job done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would say, what is more quintessentially American than coming to a country you don't belong in and deciding you're going to stay? Yeah. <laughs> and Thanksgiving yeah. of all times. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, we get it. You, you know, you. Every interview I've researched you on, you, you profess your love for America. You're yeah. still here. Clearly, you still love it. Yeah. Okay. So, can you shut the f up and be American for one minute instead of constantly complaining and talking like a fucking foreigner all the time. I mean, I, 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 I challenge you. You, how, be, you challenge me to be American? Yes. And I want, how, you, how would one I do want that? you to eat this hot dog right now. Oh boy. And then I want you to throw <laughs> this football. And first of all, you have to call it a football. Okay, I you can't call, do that. Yeah, you gotta, I call it an American football. Okay, American I, football. I'll call it an American and football. And you gotta throw this to me. So you gotta eat that first and you throw this to me. Okay. Right? Like, like, like this? No, no. You gotta freaking oh, okay. throw a tight no, spiral. No, no, We're gonna go over there. Okay, all yeah, right. So eat this first. We got this from a bodega, so you might know. Oh no. This is the way we. How hard can that be? All right, hang on, hang on. All right. Can we get a drum roll? Drum roll. For you? For you? Ready? Yeah. Okay.
This is last week tonight with John Oliver. As wherever you'll find it, who gives a f We'll take a. That's we'll, not how you throw to a We're going to take Wally. a quick break. We'll be right back after this. That's Thank you, John you Oliver. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. My guest tonight is an award-winning, best-selling author and illustrator whose picture book is called Big. Please welcome Vashti Harrison. Hi. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm going to steal your jacket. <laughs> First of all, I love this book. I love, love, love this book. Oh, I can't cry. Um, the illustrations for this book are beautiful. And when I was looking through it, it made, they're very emotive, and it actually made me think of um, looking at a memory. Hmm. I think is the best way to look at it, because, like, in the book, there's no... I like in the illustration that there's no, like, lines. Like, usually when you see, like, a cartoon or an illustration, it's like, oh, this is a drawing. Right. And I think the idea that it gave me was, like, I was looking back. And so when you're doing a book like this, like, what comes first, the drawings or the text? For me, it happens at the same time, mm -hmm. but drawing is always where I get my ideas. But what you're picking up on is something that I absolutely put into the book. I wanted it to feel soft. I wanted it to feel really internal. So I hope that that comes through for everybody. That's exactly what I thought, because we were like, well, it's beautiful. And I was like, no, this looks like, because it's like the, like, this is the first book that you've written and illustrated. And was it scary to do both of those? Yeah, absolutely. So I've written nonfiction before. And mm. so I can feel really excited and proud to share the stories of other people, especially incredible people from history. But to share something about my life that came from, you know, something really internal and to put that all on the page is, is terrifying and scary to write things and share them with people. But that's the process of making art. No, I'm a stand-up comic. So it's yeah. like, oh, I hope these words I say, um, people <laughs> like them. Because <laughs> yep. it's like, as a comic, the first time you go on stage with a joke, it's like for information. Like, I need to know mm -hmm. if this is funny or not. And then every time you do the joke, it's for confirmation. So, like, I know the joke is funny. I just need you to catch up to where I am. Mm -hmm. But the... <laughs> like, I know what I'm doing. 
But the first look for a couple times, you're like, hey, man, I don't know if I said these words right. Um, I don't know if they're gonna like the words in this order. And then you gotta figure out. And sometimes it's like, this just don't work. Yeah. Doing events for kids is the, sort of like the same thing. I feel like I'm doing stand-up, waiting for their jokes, waiting for them to, to connect with the story. And if they don't like it, then I haven't done my job correctly. Oh, yeah, I used to do kids' birthday parties. I've had a lot of jobs. Um, <laughs> every time I'm in the office, they're like, you used to work where? I'm like, hey, man, don't worry about that. You asked me too many questions. <laughs> um, but making stuff for kids is hard because you have to keep their attention and you have to keep their focus. So. Obviously, the title big connotes like a physical size, but in the book, big means that and like a lot more. So can you talk about what the bigness means here? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about how we as adults use words with children when kids are young. We use big as a word of affirmation. We say, you're such a big girl. You're a big girl now, and that's a good thing. But typically with girls and all children, big changes meaning, and I wanted to trace how that word can go from a word of affirmation into something different for a child's life. Oh, yeah, because I remember being a big girl and being a big girl. Yeah. <laughs> When that day happens, I think you're like, I don't know, 11? Mm. And then it's like, oh, you're such a big girl. Like, oh, she's a big, a big girl. Right, and you remember that. Yeah, because, like, that why it was so interesting to me is because, like, this is semi-autobiographical, right? So the main character gets stuck in, like, a baby swing. And y'all have seen the baby swing at a swing set and, you know, thought, like, I shouldn't get in this thing. <laughs> But you did try. Like, we all tried. <laughs> so is this something that actually happened to you, like getting stuck in that swing? Yes. Uh, so the girl in the book is not me. She doesn't have a name, but uh, the experience of getting stuck in the swing was real, and it happened to me. And I remember it. I remember the fear and the anxiety and the shame that I felt as a young child. And um, I wanted to kind of make a book that acknowledge that those feelings are big and sometimes can trap us in and box us in and express how those feelings can be really overwhelming for a young person. So why doesn't she have a name? Because I was reading the book, because this is a page turner even at my big age. Um, <laughs> why doesn't she have a name? Well, I didn't want her story to be mine. I mm -hmm. wanted many people to be able to look at the girl in this book and maybe connect with her, feel empathy for her, and thusly feel compassion for her experience. But when I started writing it, I really wanted it to be a wordless book. Right now, there's only a handful of book words in the book. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it would have been great to just tell everything through the pictures. Yeah, because I was, like, looking at it, and I think because it looks like a memory, and it's a little girl that looks like me, and because she didn't have a name, I was like, oh, I remember being on the swing set and being so afraid to try to get in it and try to get in that baby swing. Now, mind you, we've all seen the baby swing. And if you're not a baby, you really have no business trying to get <laughs> in this baby. But I would see other girls get into it, and I'm just like, oh, where is the rest yep. of her legs? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's Why are her legs, she's nine. Why are her legs only as big as a toddler? Like, we shouldn't be upset that I'm so big. Why is she so small? Like, what? <laughs> somebody call somebody, because I feel like she needs help at home. But that was my way of, like, processing the fact that this nine-year-old girl could fit in a baby swing, and I couldn't. Because um, I love the use of the color pink in the book. Is that where you add in, like, the softness, or was it because it was a classic, like, girl 
color and she's a dancer? Like, what was the choice to use yeah. that color? There were a couple of different reasons. Um, so the main character is a dancer. She loves ballet. Typically, when I work on a book, I usually assign a color to a character mm. and try to use that to build a palette. And specifically in this book, we're in her world. So everything is that color pink. I wanted it to be a symbol for sweetness and innocence, but also in color psychology, pink is associated with gentle love and care. And that's everything that I want for this girl. So you were trying to give her the moment, because I think a lot of times as, like, girls, especially black girls, we're given womanhood much older than we should be. Right. And, because I think for me, I got womanhood much older than I should be because I was, well, let's just say when I was nine years old, I had, like, C's, right? So the first time I hit, a man hit on me, I was nine. But, I had a butt, I had big boobs, and I was wearing a suit. So... <laughs> because I couldn't wear little girl clothes because they didn't make little girl clothes in women's sizes. Right. So I was looking at size nine shoes in a suit and this man comes in and is like, what's your name? And I had to turn around and go, I'm nine. And he was like, no! <laughs> what do you mean? And my mother went, what the hell? And he ran out of a Miami Payless. And so, <laughs> without going at first, why does she look like this? Mm. And then he ran outside, but it was like, when you're built like a... Because I was also like... Four, like, I was five feet tall. So when you look like a tiny woman or you're the size of a whole woman, but you're nine, everyone's like, well, you should have all these responsibilities. And it's like, but I got dolls yeah. for Christmas. So I'm not yeah. a double-digit age, but everyone's like, you get all this responsibility. And I think it's like, that's why I like looking at this because I was like, oh, this is the... is the experience that girls should have. Because we should get to be little. So I think I'm going to ask you the next question. Um, well, <laughs> thank you. I, I do want to touch on that. Hi. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about that because one of the main reasons I wanted to write this story was to touch on the subject of adultification bias, the adultification of black girls. Right. I, early in my career, I'd read this study that came from the Georgetown Law Center on Poverty and Inequality called Girlhood Interrupted that talked about the specific bias that many adults have on black girls. It found that adults viewed black girls as young as the age of five as less innocent and more adult than their white counterparts. Right. And this results in, in young girls receiving less care and less nurturing. Mm -hmm. And so many different things factor into it, including a child's height, age, skin color, mm -hmm. body size, and weight. And I just wanted to reclaim space for children to grow, for their bodies to look different, to offer them the innocence and gentleness and care that they deserve for as long as they need it. Yeah, because when you find out, like, black girls get, um, out of all, like, girls in school, they get suspended as a higher rate. Exactly. As if, like, they're doing more wrong. But, like, black children and brown children get suspended at a higher rate. Right. Because it's like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we're throwing hands better than white girls, but <laughs> it's, it's very interesting because it's like you use the words like creative and compassionate and kind to describe these, you know, to describe her character. And it's like, 
I think a lot of times, like a young girl, if you're allowed to even be little, you know, you get like a lot of cute or pretty. Like, do you think it affects girls to hear different words like compassionate and kind, like giving words that are more described, like descriptors of person, uh, just adjectives of personality as opposed to like appearance? Yeah, I think. I just want for all kids to be able to define who they are. Right. Adults will make mistakes. They will say things, words that, you know, we don't know what's going to stick with kids, but mm -hmm. I wanted to clarify for this girl and for any kid that reads this book that you get to choose what's important mm -hmm. and real for you. And you don't have to hold on to anything that doesn't define you. You get to decide that for yourself. There's one page in here, and I want to know, can I show the page in the book that she goes through, and I'm not gonna spoil it for people because you have to see her grow and grow in the, in the changes that she goes to, but there's one page Almost there. that I, and I think you know exactly the page I'm talking about, where me and our makeup artist Enid was literally crying in the makeup room. And I don't know if you know how uh, crying in the makeup room works, but it's basically you just tilt your head back and you catch the tears. <laughs> Because Enid is an amazing makeup artist, but it's just like, there's salt on my face now. So, but the thing that we were just like, that made her stop and made me stop where the little girl goes to the adults. These are yours. These are yours. They hurt me. And so she's holding words. And she said, these are yours. They hurt me. And so I think like, that's when I was looking at this, I was like, this is a book for children. Because <laughs> there are a lot of people that make a lot of money, my therapist included, who make a lot of money trying to show adults how to love and care for themselves. And I'm just, is there like a grown-up version of this book? Can we call it like still big? Like, can we? <laughs> And then there's just a bad bitch at the bottom. Like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just I still big, bad bitch at the bottom. She might be modeled on me, make a style, and I know who you want to choose. But, you know, just still big. I think that that could be some grown-ups might also need help with this. So. Thank you for that. Of I course. think picture books are for everyone. So I'm happy that anyone can read that book and find something for themselves in it. I think this can be good. If you have anybody who's working on their self-esteem, um, this, the, I think this is something that everyone can resonate with because there's a lot of times where just words have just, because they always say just like sticks and stones can break your bones, but words, I'm like, I can get over a bruise. But like I learned with my ex, <laughs> emotional scars never heal. <laughs> Don't learn from me. <laughs> Don't listen to me. I'm not helpful a lot of the time. But, <laughs> but I think that is the main thing we have, we have to stop telling that lie. Mm. Because I think we sell that to children for them to be able to make this defense mechanism. Because, yeah. like, you don't remember, like, if you remember every time you fell off a bike, you wouldn't get back on a bike. But you remember, like, you don't always remember what someone said, but you remember how they made you feel. For sure. And so, because of the words can make you feel a certain way, even if you forget what they said, your body still remembers. Yeah. And that's why I think I wanted to show the scene in the book where the the words are stuck to the girl. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen immediately. It happens, you know, over time. At, over time. Um, 
And again, like you just don't know what is going to stick with kids. You can't guarantee that things won't stick to you, but mm -hmm. you know, over time you can separate out what's good for you and what isn't. I think the page after the page you pointed out is the one that always gets me, which is she hands back the words and says, these are yours, they hurt me. Mm -hmm. And on the next page, some of the people say, well, not everyone understood or even listened. And some of the people say, it's not that serious. It's just a joke. You're too ah. sensitive. That's the thing that still, still gets me because I am still that girl who was told that I'm too sensitive for listening to the words that people said to me, for letting them them resonate and for feeling them. Oh yeah. But I... that's so real and kids kids need often the space and the time to to manage those things. Well you're absolutely right. I wanna thank you for coming. Explore more shows from The Daily Show Podcast Universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.